you know, it seems like for years, the Treasure Valley Community College was overlooked by everybody in the state of Idaho, even those who are from the Treasure Valley. Athletes from the time I was in high school all the way through now, it seemed, would always go to other schools in the same conference rather than going to TVCC. Well, they just named a new head coach of their basketball program, and today I'm going to be interviewing him to hear more about his journey and what he's bringing to TVCC to hopefully get back some of the Treasure Valley kids, the hidden gems, if you will, to uh, build the culture at Treasure Valley. We're going to be talking about club basketball. We're going to be talking about the transfer portal and that how that affects every level of college basketball, including the junior college level. And we're going to be talking about so much more, you know, what he expects from athletes, uh, what you got to do to separate yourself from the pack. And a lot of golden nuggets are dropped in this one. You don't want to miss this episode of the Game Time Guru. So what time is it? Game Time This is the Game Time Guru podcast where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. You guys know the drill by now. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. That's the first thing I always ask every single individual. So before we even get into this interview, if you guys are listening to this on an Apple device, like your iPhone, for example, uh, make sure that you hit the subscribe button so that you can hear every episode. You can go back and listen to the previous episodes, and you can listen to future episodes as they come out every single Friday. We've been doing this for five and a half years. Major shout out to everybody. I appreciate all the followers, all the listeners throughout the last five and a half years, the supporters who have taken the show to where it's at. 97 countries at the time of this recording. We hope to get to 100 by the end of 2022. It's all organic, nothing paid. Everybody's just been helping me out. I never had to pay for ads to get this out to people. And yes, it's not Joe Rogan, but we are the Game Time Guru, and you guys have helped me out. Every guest, every single listener, anybody who's ever shown support, it's because of you that we've been able to get it out to the to the places that we've been able to. So major shout out. So now I'm going to be uh, introducing my guest. I'm super excited. Now you may not remember it, man, but uh, I actually first, I first got my introduction to you in the club basketball scene. Um, okay. That's actually in California. I played against your team. Um, and you guys were playing select and my, yeah. my, I coach Idaho premier and I happened to play against your team this last uh, spring. It was, I think April's when we were down in Orange County. Anyway, yeah. it was right after it was either right after or right before, but I thought it was right after you had gotten the or at least it had been mentioned that you got the, the head coaching gig over at Treasure Valley. So yeah. TVCC. And so I was really excited, man, um, to to be able to get to talk to you now and be able to have more of this like media relationship and a personal coaching relationship to be able to chat about some stuff. But that's my first introduction to you. But this is the new head coach over at Treasure Valley Community College. TVCC is what we're going to be calling it uh, throughout the duration of this interview. Um, and we're going to learn about his experience coaching. We're going to talk about some things, but his name's James Jansen. James, thanks for joining the show, man. Appreciate you having me on, man. It's been, uh, I've followed along for these past couple of years. So I appreciate you uh, inviting me to come on. I enjoy it. Heck yeah, man. Let's get to it, brother. I'm excited. So first and foremost, um, before we even get to the TVCC hire, which is for, that's awesome. So congratulations. I want to say you. that that is dope, but, and we'll get to that. I want to rewind the clock, James. Let's get to know you as a coach. Um, and what your experience is prior. So what have you been doing the last couple of years that got you to this point where you're now the head coach? Yeah, good question. I um, So my journey started way back. I, you know, I've always known I wanted to kind of be a coach, and um, I was working. Uh, I was actually working for the state, and um, I was going in, and it was just one of those things, man, I'm just not doing what I really want to do. And, and so I tried to figure out and I teach this lesson a lot to kids. You got to do what you love and you got to figure out how to make it work with the money that comes along with it. Cause life's going to be so much more enjoyable for you. If you can figure out how to do what you love, right. And make that work. And so, um, I was, I was just had my, uh, my two boys just bought a house in uh, Sacramento. I was working for the state of California and making good money. And I got a call from a good buddy of mine, an old high school coach. And, and he said, Hey, I want you to come coach with me. And I said, Oh man, well, let's let the, let's let things work out first. Right. I just bought a house. I got two young boys, you know, my wife is settled. How do I make this work? And lo and behold, it ended up working out. 
and everything just fell into place for how it needed to be. And fortunately, I have a wife who is an unbelievable support system for me uh, and just said, let's do it. Like, let's let's make this happen. And so we moved from uh, where I just bought a house, Sacramento, back to where I'm from, Redding, California. Um, and I was coaching at Simpson University with a good friend of mine, Todd Franklin, up there. And um, I loved every minute of it. I got to do what I wanted to do. And I realized, man, I've got to figure out a way to make this my full time, my full time gig. And so I enjoyed the heck out of it. We had some success, um, you know, taking over a program at that time, which is very similar to where TVCC is now. Um, and was able to build um, some good relationships with my with my guys and my players and kids that I recruited and coaches. And um, it just happened to work out that I had some friends visiting Idaho and we came up and visited them. And I'm, I'm I love the network. And so, you know, I jumped on the phone and I, and I, and I found Coach Blaine's number and I just said, hey, I'm in town. This was probably four years ago now. You know, I'd love to meet with you. I'd love to connect with you. And um, I know they've had some success up here. So I just kind of wanted to see how did they do it. Right. And like. Why reinvent the wheel? Go figure out how how guys that have had success, how do they do it? Um, <clears throat> and so right away, because I had emailed him right away, he reached out to me and said, hey, I'll be in the office, you know, just swing by. And I'm sure he's probably thinking like, OK, yeah, whatever. And then lo and behold, I show up and just kind of peek my head around the door. And um, it was awesome. I could tell College of Idaho is a special place. And um, it just it just worked out to where we you know started building a relationship and um, that was two years prior to me even moving out here. Um, my wife and I decided we wanted to move and uh, we were trying to figure that whole situation out before the kids got too old. And so um, I just reached out to some contacts I had kind of everywhere. And uh, Coach Blaine was one of the ones that had gotten back to me uh, pretty quickly. And he was in the middle. If you remember a couple of years ago, a few years ago, they were in the middle of that that um, number one team in the country on a big time run, massive win streak. And they're heading to the national tournament and, um, I said, let's just, you know, chat later, uh, go, go in this thing. And so, um, we chatted, it was hard. I reached, you know, I didn't know when to reach out cause COVID came and ended their season. And yep. I was like, man, that is a, I, I like, I don't want to talk basketball with him right now. He's probably mourning because they were in such a good position, um, to handle business and it got just swept away from them. And so, um, it just worked out that they had some movement and guys that were taking other jobs and other career opportunities. And, um, he had an opening. And so it worked out for me to kind of move my family up this direction. And then I've been the last two years um, here at C of I with Coach Blaine and, and staff. And uh, it's been awesome. And it's been a great ride because you learn so much at every every stop you go. Right. Simpson is so different from C of I and C of I is so different from from TVCC and, and all over the place. And so um, I, I truly think you need different stops. Right. With different challenges to to figure out how to how to solve, right? That's what makes you well-rounded as a person. It's the same thing with a coach. You've got to figure out how to win in different situations with different parameters, if that makes sense. So been here for the past couple of years, and then uh, this opportunity just kind of came open this summer. So um, for me, it was important to not have to move. I have three young kids now, two yeah. boys and a, and a baby girl who's now 14, 15 months old. And uh, I said, man, I'm going to be here for a while. And then this, this opportunity popped up and how many times do you get a chance to be head coach? And that's what one of the biggest things that, that kind of steered me in this direction. I called Coach Blaine because he's a friend, right? I know I work with yeah. him, but he's a friend and a mentor. And I just said, hey, what do you think? Like, give me your pros and your cons, you know? And um, we laughed on the phone a little bit and chatted about it. But I'm grateful for my relationship with him because I can bounce ideas off that, off him um, like that, right? You got to have people in this profession you can do that with. I've got a couple people who I can call and say, "Hey, what do you think about this or that?" And they can they can help steer you in the right direction because you can call them a friend. And so that's kind of where we're at now. So I know that was long winded, but no, that's fantastic. I'm trying to like trying to put myself in your position because I too have two boys and a little baby girl. Um, so I got a five year old, a two year old, and now a, a four month old little girl. So two boys and a girl. Yeah. And I'm trying to put myself in your position of having to move and do all these things, these life changes and your wife for, for that matter. Like we all know yeah. you got, when you're making big decisions like that, it's vital to have a support system that's going to be there. Cause that's not easy. You know, you're going no. from California to Idaho for one, that's, that's a little bit of a shift. <laughs> and then two, you know, it's just, it's the stability factor. You know, sometimes the wife wants a little bit of stability and I totally understand that. So shout out to your family for being on yes. this journey with you too. You know, it's crazy. And, and I'm thinking, I wanted to ask you a question when you first like you you go from a, a job working for the state to now you're working on a staff for a college basketball, you know, a college athletic program, I should say. And I want to know what your first initial like 
transition lesson was like what was it like when you first got in there was there was there a transition to that and what was it what was your hardest piece like trying to figure out this new you're trying to navigate these new waters yeah for sure well I should say while I was working for the state, I was coaching high school. So I was kind of, I was coaching high school and coaching some grassroots stuff out of Sacramento, which has a ton of good players. And so there's a lot of good programs and players out of there. Um, and that's where I was coaching and then transitioning from that high school to college. Um, it's a jump. It's a massive jump. Right. And um, jumping in um, was the first thing you, you recognize is, man, there's so many kids out there. Like there are so many kids that are good players. They're great humans, right? And you want to help everybody. Um, you want to look at everybody. You want to give everybody a fair chance. But you look at it and you're like, man, there are so many kids. And you're just overwhelmed with information. And and you get the congratulations text and everything like that. You either get one or two texts when you take a new job. Congratulations, you know, so happy for you you know, I love you, man. Or you get the coach, congratulations. I got a guy for you. Right. And you, you need that. Like, that's what yeah. it's for. Um, you know, you've built relationships with these guys, so they want to reach out to you. Um, but you're just, you're just inundated with so much stuff to do and, and figuring out more like, Hey, what's, what's my institution like, right. You know that a little bit through the interview process, but then once you're working with a school and, and a president and administration and a faculty and, and support staff, what does that look like? And so you're trying to really gain your, your footing with your school as a whole because you've got to meet, you know, everyone new on campus. And then in the same token, you're you're trying to meet, you know, kids and young men that you think could help you, you know, win that campus over. Right. So that's the first thing um, you almost feel overwhelmed. But, <clears throat> um, you know, you're you're just uh, thrown into the fire, I guess you could say, with so many kids and new people and faces and, and trying to figure out where everyone's position is and what they do and, and how you can help them. A lot of people always look at it from the, well, how can they help me? Like, oh, this person works over here. They can help me. Well, really, it's how can you help make their lives easier, right? Because that's when that's when they're like, okay, yeah, let me let me do something for, for coach. You know, he's always got a hand for me or, or something like that. And so that's what you're really trying to figure out. And it's so weird nowadays because when you're looking to help other people, people are like, well, what do you want? You know, and at the end of the day, it's like, I just want to get to know you. I just want to have a relationship with you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm going to work with you. You're my coworker. I want to, I want to enjoy the people I'm working with. And so that's probably the first thing for me, man, is just building relationships with the guys you've got coming back or the, the, the staff on the women's program, the AD and the assistant AD and, and administration as a whole. That's probably the first thing you're looking at. That's super important. And I hope people are taking notes of this. Um, and one thing I'd add on to that is, you said building relationships, I'd add authentic relationships. Cause you said something interesting there, James, like they're like, okay, what does he want? Like, what, yeah. what do they want? And I think that's just in society today. People are so often you see people are that are in it for themselves and, and that's in anything. It doesn't have to be in just like, mm -hmm. no, no. this, whatever, everyone's kind of like, what's in it for me. And so naturally people might be a little hesitant, like especially leaders, they might be a little hesitant to be like, all right, what do they, what do they want? What are they, what are they trying to get out of this? But if you build authentic relationships, those are the things that help you as you move forward. Um, and I want to get to this next point too. As you moved on, you talked about C of I experience with Colby Blaine. Uh, shout out Colby. I mean, love that guy. Played high school basketball against the guy, but um, I also had him on the show, episode 159. I mean, it's almost been two full years. It was shortly after uh, that COVID season ended yeah. them abruptly. So I had him on the show for an interview and just having, I have an immense amount of respect for Colby for what he's been able to do. Um, at a relatively young age in, in his career, he's so well-respected. Um, I want to know from your, like the short couple of years you've been with him, if you could pick the, the number one thing you've learned from Colby Blaine, which I'm sure there's many things. I mean, as mentors, you can pick a lot of things from all your mentors and stuff, but what's the number one thing you think you've learned from him during the time uh, under his wing? Good question. Uh, there's a long list. I don't know. I don't, the podcast probably run out of time because I've learned so much in these past two years, um, but probably just be true to yourself. Uh, and who you are, because that's how you're going to operate best, right? Um, so many times society tells you one thing and, and expects you to act a different way or do something this way or that way. And you've got to be true to yourself because at the end of the day, you're the one that is holding the board. You're the one that's holding the pen. You're the one that's making the decision. You're the one that's awarding that scholarship. You're the one that's having to have that conversation with the kid in your office or parents. Uh, and you've got to be true to yourself because you can sit there and and I think if you you are that, you can sit there and go, I've done it 
what I thought was best, you know, and you don't have any regrets. You don't necessarily leave things on the table, but man, if you try and make everybody else happy um, because it's, it fits their world, that's where you start getting pulled in so many directions and you realize I'm not doing anything well right now. And to be great, you've got to be true to yourself. That's probably one of the, the first thing that just popped in my head with coach because there's, there's no one. And I mean, no one in this business that works harder than him and people see the results all the time, right? The, the amount of wins he's been able to pile up in his first four years that I've had a part of being, a, you know, be a part of for these past two and, and the success he's had before here, but no one works harder than him. And so that's why it's like, you know, there's an endless list of, of things I've learned over the years, but man, being true to yourself is probably a big one. That's so cool, man. It's awesome to hear. And it's something that I can take too for myself, whether it's my podcast or my coaching journey or my full-time job, whatever it is. Right. I want to learn that stuff too. That's why I like to ask these questions to people like yeah. yourself who've been there, you know, like what can we learn from you guys? And that's, that's the coolest part about this whole thing for me, mm -hmm. at least learning from you. Um, the Treasure Valley Community College job. So I want to, for the listeners that are out there, I mean, we're in all 50 states and in 97 countries. So yeah, we have a lot of listeners here in the Valley. So they're probably familiar with TVCC. But in case, you know, for the listeners, we have in California, te Texas, Nevada, Utah, Washington, and so forth. We've got quite a few people around this whole area and this region that have listened to the show. Just in case you're not familiar, Treasure Valley Community College. It's... We say the Treasure Valley, it's kind of deceiving because the Treasure Valley of Idaho is like the Boise area. Yeah. You know, we say area, the surrounding cities of Boise, but the actual college itself is uh, the, the headquarters, or I should say the campus is located in Ontario, Oregon. Um, Ontario is just roughly about 30, 30 minutes outside of Boise, if you give or take maybe five minutes or so, depending on how fast you're going on the freeway and how much traffic. But it's about 30, 40 minutes away from, from Boise, and it's right there, just right across the Oregon border. But, um, Here's the thing, James, what's interesting. That's why I'm, I'm glad I get to talk to you about this because growing up through high school, myself included, right? High school athletics here, it was interesting because not a lot of kids went to TVCC. They were always looking for Walla Walla or Columbia Basin in my, my situation. And we had a lot of kids from the SIC, which is the Southern Idaho Conference of Basketball. Um, well, for here, it's the conference. But for basketball, we had a lot of kids going to, to – uh, those other schools in Washington, we had like five kids from the SIC go to Columbia basin the year after I graduated. Sure. Um, and so that was just, it was always going push there. And so TVCC, it was always like this, well, it's the treasure Valley community college. Like why aren't these kids from the treasure Valley going here? Mm -hmm. And so now I want to kind of pick your brain about that and see, like, it just had this reputation of being like on the back burner, essentially not being disrespectful. That's just kind of what it was. No, not at all. And so now I want to know from your perspective, like what's the, what's the general, I guess, area that's that tvcc is recruiting from and what, it, what you know, the majority of athletes and maybe if you have any insight as to why a lot of kids at least in my perspective didn't go there they were going to other schools that were further away they're, not, yeah. they're like four or five six seven eight hours away and why was that so like i want to i kind of want to get your perspective on that yeah i mean it's probably a number of things but you nailed it that's that's one of the first things i've been in this valley for two years um and i've never had one coach reach out to me um when I was at the College of Idaho from TVCC. Uh, and so that was the first thing that, okay, you know, it's a school down there. I'd never been on campus, um, never really had a, uh, an affiliation with, with TVCC at all. And I had been in the Valley for two years. And so you, you nailed it. I think part of it is as a program, our job, you know, recruiting and, and outreaching into the community. And we say the Treasure Valley and, and it extends from that Ontario area all the way down to the other side of Boise. Um, but for whatever reason, I don't know, just, just styles, maybe recruiting styles, coaches just having gotten into the Valley a whole lot and, um, being here these past two years, I think that's one of the biggest mistakes they've ever made because they don't realize how much talent, uh, has, has been here in the Valley and gone elsewhere. Um, there's great schools here in the Valley with, with Boise state and then you and in college of Idaho, and they all have Idaho kids on their roster, all of them. Um, and they've offered Idaho kids, you know, now, uh, we see Liam picking up his Boise state officer offer. They're realizing there's a lot of good talent here in the Valley. And for whatever reason, they, they, they haven't recruited, um, this area. Um, and I feel that, right. It's the perception of things right now. When I've reached out to kids, sometimes I just haven't gotten calls back and that's okay. You know, that's, that's part of the business, but you look at kids like Gavin Gordon from CUNA, who I signed, um, he's been a pretty darn good player for Kino the past few years. 
and um, he was excited about it. And I was excited to find somebody because it starts with one. You've got to be able to change that perception locally. And right now, um, there are a lot of good players in, in uh, the Valley that, you know, a few of them are still are heading out to Walla Walla. A few of them still are heading out. You know, they want to drive eight hours in the snow over those mountains uh, come wintertime to try and get home for Christmas. So, you know, we'll see what happens, you know, next year when they want to move closer to home. But, um, you know, some of them still are making that decision uh, just because it's never been a place that's recruited them. And at the end of the day, kids are going to go where they're wanted, right? Well, kids are going to go where they feel comfortable. Um, maybe it's not far enough away for some kids, right? They want to get a little bit further away. That could be the potential uh, for things and they want to move a little bit further. But um, kids are going to go where they're, they're wanted and they feel wanted, right? And I think that's the biggest thing is I've got to make sure that me and my staff gets here um, and we're at games this uh, this season, watching kids play, building relationships. That's why I coach select basketball, so that I can coach all these kids in the Valley and, and get to know who they are and what they're about, so that by the time it's ready for them to be recruited, man, I know who this kid is. I know what this kid is about as a person. And it makes it a lot easier to say, oh, no, that's definitely someone we should be going after. Or, hey, maybe we should stay away from this situation. But I just think it's been um, – you know, for whatever reason, the staff that's there, maybe the, the, the kids haven't fit their style or, or whatever the case is. But um, this Valley is special. This Valley's got a lot to offer in terms of basketball on men's and women's side. So I think it's definitely going to be um, somewhere that, that now is an option for kids. You know, um, like you said, it's it's not far away. It's 40 minutes away. Forty. My commute to work is 41 minutes and I live deep in Nampa. So from Boise, it's about 40 minutes, 45 minutes. So um, I think that's probably the biggest thing is just you know, coaches and where they put their emphasis. I love all of this. So here's the thing. A lot of people knock on Idaho for their athletics. And uh, for those who don't know, I am the co-owner of uh, the Idaho Underground Sports Network, which we formulated this last year, myself and two other business owners. Um, and that was one of the reasons, James, that we did that is because we call ourselves the gym state, right? That's that's what I do. That's the gym state. Cool. Mm -hmm. But we wanted to, we're like, well, no one's looking at the hidden gems here. So that was kind of our little mantra. We're like trying to uncover Idaho's hidden gems. Gavin Gordon, you just referenced a kid's name, played for CUNA High School. Yep. That kid is an absolute dog. And so he was one of the names. Uh, I'll give him a shout out. I know it's, it's, it's probably like, oh, whoa, okay. But no, like I saw him. I got to watch him play uh, club basketball, not this, this year, but the year before was the first time I actually got to really see him excel in a role i'm like where does this kid play yeah and this is before we formulated the idaho underground sports network this is before we had built that business i saw him play last spring so it's been over a year i'm like dude this kid is dominating like what the heck like built six five six six kid you could argue six seven depending on the, the day but kid is crafty around the basket um knows how to finish he can shoot well like just everything that you want and he was actually pretty well put together it wasn't just a raw talent then i saw him play this year because we were covering all these games I'm like, how does this guy not have more offers and all? I'm like, Gavin Gordon is a stud. And sometimes what happens in Idaho is and we're hope, we're helping with that. We're hoping to help with that, with getting a little bit more media exposure. But I think in Idaho, like it is what it is. Like you're in CUNA. Like the reality is if you're not playing club ball, like CUNA is not going to get that much coverage. And sometimes you're, you're the product of a, an unfortunate system. And so it kind of happens. You don't, you, if you don't have the right media exposure, that can kind of happen. So I'm glad that you, we're able to find Gavin because I've always thought he was just an absolute dog. He can do anything that you need him to do. And he's got yeah. a great attitude. He's a good kid, dude, like absolute stud. So that makes me happy to hear his name come up. And I'm glad that that's going to be one of the guys like going and trying to formulate this culture over there at TVCC, a better one, because there, are, like you said, there are so many talented kids around girls and guys around yeah. here in the treasure Valley. And so hopefully TVCC, I'm just going to be honest. Like I'm, I'm on the show. I'm brutal. Like, you want to go to Blue Mountain? Go to Pendleton? Are you serious? Like, everyone's like, oh, it's Ontario. It's disgusting. Okay. You want to go to Pendleton instead? <laughs> really? Like, my wife's from my wife's from Kennewick, Washington, so I know the yeah. place really well, and I was going to go to yeah. yeah. You want to go there instead? Okay, cool. Go 40 minutes out. It's Ontario's not that bad. Okay? Pendleton's disgusting. I'm sorry if anybody loves that place. But <laughs> it is. It is what it is. It's funny you say that because when I moved here, I was just telling somebody this. When I moved here, I'm looking at houses and trying to figure out what I'm going to do, and people are like, Oh, you're gonna go look at houses in Nampa Caldwell. What do you mean? And I was like, What it's it's gorgeous out there. What are you talking about? Like it's gorgeous. And and um, you know, it's just the perception, you know, the perception 
uh, of people, what they've grown up uh, around and what they've heard and they haven't really seen for themselves. You know, I grew up, I grew up 45 minutes outside of town. I grew up, you know, where you had a gas station, a post office and a general store. And the closest grocery store was 25 minutes away. And my school was 45 minutes away. And that's what I drove every day. So to me, like TVCC is not far. We jump on the highway and it's one, you know, exits up. Like I don't even have to get off. That's it. Like it's not, it's not even far to me. And so I used to drive that every single day, but I, I love um, the commute for me. Cause I'm, I'm on the phone all the time and I'm talking and I'm, I'm catching up with friends. And so that's how I get my time with it. But I'm with you, man. People, they want to talk about Ontario and, and you, you said it, you said, you're honest. I am too, man. When I, when I call these kids and I'm talking to them and they're like, tell me a little bit about the town. And I tell them, look, if you're looking for nightclubs and pub crawls, I'm not the spot for you. I'm going to be honest. And I said, but you know, if you want a, a town with a good community, that's going to support you and, you know, probably invite you out to a bonfire on a, on a Friday or Saturday night, like you're going to find it, you know? And I said, then when there's a Boise State football game or a C of I game or something like that, that you want to go to, you're 35, 40 minutes away, you know? And so you jump in the car with your buddies and you head down and you head back after the game and uh, you're close enough to everything to where you're just far enough away to be able to focus and you're close enough to get to when you need to. Uh, that's the, what I've pitched with kids and, and it's, it's set well, you know, there's not a kid I've brought on campus at TVCC, and I, I think I brought six or so on for you know personal visits. I had a ton on um, for for that prospect camp we did. But there's not a kid that hasn't said, "Man, coach, campus is beautiful." And it's like, yeah, you just got to get here. You know, you just got to get yeah. here and see it, and your perception changes. You know, um, the facilities are great. The gym's brand new during COVID. They put in you know a new floor, and they've got the video boards up there. It's it's a beautiful facility. The weight room is brand new, and so. Kids now have a reason to stop, and that's why I don't know if you saw my tweet, but the I-84 corridor, you're going to have to have a reason um, to, to not come now because it's it's going to be a spot to be, I'm telling you. That's so sick. I, I really hope uh, – this is what I'm hoping is that we we push this out. I'm going to try to push this out to a lot of the athletes that either I coach or the people here in the Valley so they can hear more about this because, yeah, TVCC, you can tell there's a different energy now with you going over there, man. Like You can tell it like – you got a little more energy and that's what we needed. We needed more energy towards that, that school. So here's what my next question is, James on the, on this show, we've, we've talked about it before. Um, we were kind of talking about it prior to recording as well, but I talked to like coach John Willis, um, Brant minor as well. We were, we were chatting about the transfer portal. This has come up quite a few times and how that affects all levels of basketball in mm -hmm. the sense of, you know, bigger schools, essentially not always taking the guys right out of high school unless that's like, I mean, unless you're a top 100 recruit or whatever it may be, mm -hmm. a lot of those bigger schools are now looking to the transfer portal and how that affects like the, the college levels of junior college, NAIA, even D3, D2, because you're getting a lot more talent coming down the barrel, um, so to speak. So the talent level is a little bit higher all across the board. So, yeah. you know, I know you're, you're, this is your first year as a head coach, but I'm sure you're paying attention to all that and, and how that affects the recruiting process because your competition gets better, but you also have potentially a, a potential higher talent pool coming in as well that you could choose from if you play your cards, right? So I'm just curious how that, uh, that whole entire conversation with the, the transfer portal has affected you and, and will continue to affect you. Yeah, no, it's um, everyone talks about it in a bad way and, and you can look at it however you want, right? With the transfer portal. Oh, kids don't, kids don't stick it out anymore or, you know, they, they just bail when times get tough or whatever the case is, but there's a lot of grad transfers in that transfer portal too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there, there's a lot of reasons coaches get let go and, and staffs come in and they've got their own guys. And so it's like, Hey, appreciate you being here, but you know, we've got another guy we want to bring in at this spot, like, because coaches, you know, they, they need their own guys. They want to feel comfortable with their guys. And so there's tons of situations to where kids go into the transfer portal for different reasons, but you're darn right. It is. It has shifted everything in terms of there is so much talent right now, and coaches, in my opinion, they're not they're not looking for reasons to recruit you. They're looking for reasons not to recruit you. And um, there are so many kids right now that deserve to be on a college team. They are they they are college level athletes. They have good work ethics. Um, their grades are straight. Um, but there's only so many roster spots. And, and so they're, you know, being nitpicky in terms of, man, who do I go after right now? Who do I want to fill out this roster? Who can I bring in that I'm going to feel comfortable enough that's going to 
be a chemistry builder, right, uh, to, to my program and who's going to represent my, the program and, and the school the way I want it to be represented and all those small things, you know, go into everything. And right now there's, this is probably the most talent you're going to get at the college level, you know, that you're ever going to get because, you know, those, those one-time transfers are getting used up right now. Those COVID years, this is probably the last, the last one where you'll see a, COVID, a kid have a COVID year um, to play. Uh, talking to a couple of kids right now, they've gone to two years of junior college, but one was during that COVID season. And so now they're, they've got one more year of junior college eligibility. Um, this is the last year we'll see that. Right. And so I think, I think things will slow down a little bit, uh, but due to the, the growth of prep school and what's that, what that's able to do for kids nowadays, you all, you add another incoming class, right. And due to how right. popular the, the grad transfer thing has gotten in, you add that, now you start adding in the NIL deal and people people can look at it two ways. In regards to the transfer portal, it's probably more beneficial for some of these kids to come back and do their grad year now. So you're going to have more kids stay back because it's more profitable for them. They can get some sort of deal with, with a business in town and they're going to pay them more than, than you know they might be done playing or they might go play a summer in the G League. And so that all trickles down, right, from the Division One. They're going to go take this guy who's going to stay around for a grad year. Well, that, that trickles down to usually a freshman um, that would have been on that roster is now playing Division Two and or or whatever the case is, and that Division Two player is now playing NAIA, and 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 you see the the trickle down effect. But um, it's been it's been awesome as a coach, right? Because yeah. you see so many kids that can play and deserve to be there and and uh, are hungry. Honestly, I feel like it's bringing back a little bit of that that separation because you can either be hungry and separate yourself. And if you don't, if you don't put in that extra work, you're going to get looked over. It's going to, it's going to get exposed really quickly because there's so many kids that are looking for spots to be. And so now it's turning kids into, man, if I don't do the extra work, if I don't put myself out there a little bit more, if I don't build relationships with these coaches, if I don't have grades, you know, if I'm, if I'm sitting here at a 2.2, there's a lot of other options out there and there's a lot of good options out there. And that's the difference is there's a lot of good options now provided by the the transfer portal itself that's crazy and I, i'm so glad to hear it from you um it, it's so good to hear it from you i i try to tell the kids that i coach i currently coach uh club basketball so i coached the 16 year olds last year this year i coached the 17 u squads um some of them were unsigned seniors but some of them are going to their senior year of high school and i'm trying to get it through to them like just so you guys know like a lot of them you know i'm not going to say names but a lot of them will be like they've literally sat and talked to me while we're just hanging out in California. And they're like, yeah, so I'm just going to look, I'm going to try to walk onto a junior college da, 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 as if it's just this thing that historically you could probably do that. Like if you're athletic enough, you could probably go do that. Um, as long as, you know, cause so, it was hit or miss at junior colleges. Like I would go run open gyms at certain junior colleges. I was like, you are trash. Everybody here is disgusting. This is awful, but that's not necessarily like you might see those a little bit still, but like, that's it's it's getting different because the talent pool is getting heavier and so i i wanted to tell them like you're not just going to get to go walk on at a junior college and make the squad like you've got to be making these networking like make the relationships with the coaches reach out to people it's not just going to be handed to you i don't know what else yeah. to say i was like you're this is the reality of the situation so like i'm just ha happy to hear from you like the ex explanation the breakdown of how that trickles trickles down uh people don't realize that the nil deals is a big deal man a lot of kids they get out of college with a general degree and the reality is like your first job, you might not be making more than 50 K a year. Maybe you will. That's great if you do. But I mean, there's a really, the reality is there's a lot of jobs that aren't paying that. And so maybe you can make yeah. more with an NIL deal and you got to be an athlete to be able to do that. So yeah, it's just no, wild. You, man. You, you talked about it. You know, kids think they can just come walk on to a college team and um, I'm filling out my roster right now. I've signed some guys I'm really excited about. But I'm looking for a couple of guys, man, who can who can help make us better. But not every spot has a has a full scholarship. Not every spot has a has a you know 50 percent scholarship. But you still want to find guys that can contribute to your team and push guys in practice and and have a uh, you know an expectation and a standard for themselves, right? And you know I'm I'm sitting here talking to a kid who's been out of school for two years. He's six five. You go from 17 years old to or 17 18 years old to 19 20 years old six five you turn into a little bit of a grown man yeah like you, you change a little bit you went and worked and you're like man this is 
I don't want to do manual labor my whole life. Like, I don't want to do that. And they come into the gym and they play and they're going up against a 17 year old who just got done playing Fortnite. There's a difference. <laughs> There's a difference, man. Um, and this kid is, you know, begging, you know, to, to find a home, you know, I shouldn't say the term begging, but he's, he's itching, right? He is doing whatever he can uh, to find a home. And, and you see that as a coach, you're like, man, this kid will do anything he can to get here. I want kids like that in my program, right? I want kids that are hungry like that and, and can help push my, I expect to have this kid start at the three, but I need somebody to push him because if he thinks a three is just going to be handed to him, like I, he's not going to be as good, right? I've got to have somebody behind him on the bench that in my head, do I think they can, can take a spot from him? Probably not. But if they play that hard, right? I mean, we've all heard the, 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 um, the saying, you know, hard work beats talent and talents work hard. Like it pushes kids and that's what makes you so good. That's why I feel like we've been these past couple of years and this year, especially we were so good at C of I, we had kids on the bench that should be playing minutes. We had kids playing 15 minutes that on any other team are playing 25 to 30, but it made our guys compete so hard in practice every single day. Right. And it made us better for it. And those kids credit to them because it's hard in today's society. Oh, you're not playing. You don't get minutes. You don't get stats. You're trash. Like, no, 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 no. That's why we got to an elite eight because they sacrifice themselves for the team and that concept, right? When you can build that that into your team, you get pretty good when kids go, no, I'm gonna buy into this this year, right? Um, and and I'm gonna work my tail off and coach is gonna see that. Um, does it always pay off for you? No, it doesn't, that's life. It, it not always does. Sometimes you will be on a team and that might be your role for a few years before you get a chance to crack. You know, there's a, we had a kid this year, he showed up every single day um, worked his tail off. We got into foul trouble in the first half, uh, you know, um, against Grace. And he comes in and saves us 10 minutes that game. We don't win that game without him because our two big both had, um, you know, multiple fouls and we couldn't get them in foul trouble anymore. And his opportunity was there. He had his 10 minutes. Like that's what he's worked all year for. But kids are so, I want it now. I want it now. I want it now. It's not, it's not how it works. It's just not how it works. Dude, this is so good to hear. You're dropping knowledge bombs all over the place. I I want to know that now as a college coach, like head coach, you're looking at these guys. I I always tell my players, I, there's very few like big men, and by big men in Idaho, like anybody over 6'5", right? Like yeah. In Idaho, it's the typical six foot two post because you're a football player and you can bang with the dudes uh -huh. down low. Like that's the reality. I always told people I'm six foot two. I was six two one eighty five in my senior year in high school. I'm like I'm now like two twenty five, but it's a little different. But I'm 33 now. But anyway, when I was in high school, 6'2", 185, and I told him, I was like, I was small. Dude, I was a small two guard, like a very small two guard. So like that, and the my strength was shooting. I could always shoot. I've always been a shooter, but like I wasn't the most athletic guy. I could barely You got, any, you got any eligibility left? Yeah, dude, I, like I shooters. <laughs> So here's the thing, though. Like I, I keep telling these guys, a lot of the guys I coach, um, we literally had one guy over 6'5". The rest were, and the rest were like 6'1", or 5'10" five nine and i'm like there's a million guards out there that are that tall um so how do you in your opinion as a head coach you're looking through that lens now what would you say are maybe two skill sets that you're looking for to try to separate yourself like if you're that short and you're in a, in a pool of players that are like there's a lot of them there's not a ton of guys that are over six foot five in the world yeah there are a ton of guys under six foot one um looking to play basketball so how do you separate yourself what are two skill sets uh, if, we're, if that, that group we're talking about right there, the six, one and, and under range, I feel like there's two things you've got to be able to do really well. And one is a God given talent. The other is something you can improve on. You've got to have elite quickness, right? You've got to be able to be in that defensively. You're never getting burned because they're not just going to blow by you. And it's, it's elite speed and elite quickness, um, things you can work on, right. Things you can get better at. I think you can work on quickness, speed, you can get faster, but some of that stuff is, is just God-given talent, right? The other thing that I think at that size you have to be is a lights-out shooter. Like at the end of the day, you you have to be a guy that if, it, if he shoots it, everyone thinks it's going in. Um, I, I think you can uh, develop that, right? You can become a great shooter. But for guys that size, you, you I feel like you have to have at least one, at least one of those two categories. And if you've got both, you'll find yourself a spot because you can defend at a high level with elite quickness and, and good foot speed, right? And then if you make shots, 
a coach will find a way to put you on the floor because they need shots made, right? Um, you you got to be able to make shots. And so uh, if you're a guy that can do that, right, and your percentages show, hey, man, they're shooting, they're shooting, you know, X percent, a coach has a tough time taking those guys off the floor, not just making a team, but taking them off the floor because they can defend and they can shoot the ball, right? And so for me, that, that's the two things, man, elite quickness and speed, and then you've got to be a knockdown shooter, I think, at, at that size, especially at the next level because you're dealing with such length, right? Um, it's harder, in my opinion, to get shots than it is to make shots. Uh, at, when you when you start playing college and, and you start, you know, taking that jump from high school to whatever level you're at the NEI, you're at Division two, Division three. Uh, division one, it's harder to get shots than it is to make shots. Um, so when you get your opportunity, you've got to make it. And, and you've probably been to an NBA game. You, you've seen, you know, guys warm up. They'll go make 25 in a row, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's not out of the ordinary. These elite shooters, they'll, they'll go not miss, right, because no one's on them and they're just making shots because it's what they have to do, right? Because come game time, you only get no, no you know, no hand up and uncontested looks so many times. And those are the ones that have to go in. So that's just kind of the, my two cents. There's like you said, there's a ton of guards at that size, but how do you separate yourself? I think those two things can help. That is huge, man. And just to that point, I, I mean, I, I know like this athletes are probably roller eyes. Even today, like when I'm playing in city leagues, rec leagues, you know, like pro-ams, whatever, like I still try to compete. I'm, I like to get out there and move my body and play bam jam tournaments, all this sort of stuff. We're out there when I'm playing guys who have actually had experience at the next level, they may be in their 30s now or late 20s or whatever they may be. But it's it's something that's interesting to me, to, to me James, is that they still play the same that they're quicker than the typical average Joe. Like they understand body angles, leverage, all sorts yeah. of different things on defense. And the fact of getting a shot up, because I'm a shooter, that's what I've been known for. That's my main strength. I have a lot of weaknesses. My strength is shooting, but getting a shot off against guys who know how to defend and close out and like it's not just getting a hand in your face they actually can deflect the ball because i've always been of the mindset of like i don't care if your hand like, i don't care how close you are to me if i can get the ball over your hand i'm going to score like that's just my mentality has always been i don't care how good a defense you play but the guys who know what they're doing they won't even let you get the shot they won't even let you pull the ball up they'll yeah. have their hand down they know how to put their hands at different angles it is such a good point you just made right there getting the shot off is is harder than actually making a shot like you have to find a way you got guys, they'll be like, oh, he's a right-handed shooter, so I'm going to get on his right hip because he's going to be bringing it on the right side, and it's going to throw him off, and it does. You have to find ways to get your body leverage out. you got to be quicker. It's, it's just crazy. So yeah. the fact that you said that, I am so glad you said that because anybody who's playing at that next level, they get quicker, they get faster, they get stronger, they get smarter. They know how to shield you a little bit differently, and it's yeah, that's great. I'm glad that you said that. I hope that everybody rewinds that and just <laughs> takes the notes of what you said. The last thing I want to touch base on, James, as we – as we wrap up the interview, which has been phenomenal, by the way, I appreciate your insight. It's uh, club basketball. You, I told you I had, I had coached against one of your teams uh, uh-huh. in California. Uh, we were, you know, playing one of your, I think it was Select's like third team or something that you were coaching there or whatever. Um, and then I've seen you around for for Select at the MPI and a couple other things. Then you referenced that you coached for Select. I, I Club basketball is such a, it's a thing now. It's almost like you got to keep up with the Joneses sort of thing. Like if you don't play club, it feels like you get kind of you get set back a little bit, but I want to get your your insight on club basketball. Uh, is it is it something that you feel that kids should be doing? Um, and from a coach's perspective, like yourself, you've you've coached the highest level now as far as like college. You coached the high level. You're gonna be a head coach now, but you've also coached club. What's your insight on club basketball? Yeah, I um, it, it's almost a necessity. I, I think like uh, one, you've you've got to um, push yourself. You've got to get yourself in uncomfortable situations. Uh, my team right now that I'm going to have for the summer, I've got kids from Montana and Washington and Idaho and, and um, Oregon and all over, and they're all pretty darn good players um, in their respective schools and things like that. And they've had the same high school coach for the last three years, right? And now they come to me who's someone completely different, who might ask something completely different of them, Right, who might have a completely different standard of expectations, and it's no different than me getting to work in a different, uh, different environment for a different school for a different boss with a different coach. Um, those guys are now they get they get to uh, 
be coached by a different coach who has a different philosophy, who has a different game plan, who has a different scheme, who looks at the game differently. But the best part for me, like the, the reason I love select is uh, it's not, they don't just get coached by me. Like if you've seen us, if you've seen us um, play at the MPI and you watch a select team, there's probably three other coaches sitting on a bench. Right. And now you've got all these coaches who they have their own team, but we've got a break. So why not go watch this team play? And I know those kids because we've been in a bus together. Right. And we've traveled together and I built a relationship with them. And now they're getting coached by two other guys who see the game differently and can explore it differently. Uh, And so they just get it from all different angles. Right. And you've got to be a sponge, especially from the 14 to 17 year old in high school. You can pick up something new from everybody. Um, And I feel like AAU pushes kids to do that because you're playing for somebody different. Right. You're playing in a different uh, environment. A lot of times parents are sending their kids to go play and sometimes parents don't make the trip. So now you've got to figure out, man. Mom and dad gave me 150 bucks this weekend. How do I, how do I make sure I manage this right? Because they want to go get milkshakes and donuts, but I've only got enough money for lunch tomorrow, right? Like, you got to say no, right? You go hang out. You just, you just, uh, you say, all right, I'll come. No, I don't want anything or whatever. You know, kids, kids got to learn to grow. And I feel like AAU is such a good environment for them to do that in because, um, you know, it's it's around uh, guys and and players that want the same things as them that, that are pushing towards the same goals as them, but they just get exposed to a totally different level of, of uh, talent at the same time as, as coaching. They expose different coaching, but they get exposed to different levels of talent. Right. And they get to see, man, this is what's out there. And so they understand, Holy smokes, there are a lot of good players out there. Right. And I had a mom ask me, um, I don't coach our, our top 17s team. I think I'm coaching this summer. I think I'm coaching our third 17s group. Adam mom asked me like, well, what level are we going to be playing at? What, what gyms are we going to be at? And those are good questions. Um, you're, we're going to be in the same gyms. We're playing the same tournaments, right? Um, but for us to go play, you know, the teams that our top team is playing, what are we going to get out of that, right? right. And, and so – um, a coach sitting there is not going to sit there and watch a blowout. You've got to you've got to play games against, you know, kids that are going to push you and um, make you better. But you've got to play games that are competitive. You've got to be able to come down to the wire and make a decision at the end of a game of a tight game. That's why I love the shot clock. By the way, that's another topic. But you've got to be able to make decisions at the end of a game, at the end of a possession. You know, what are you going to do uh, in those scenarios? And so I think AAU just gives you that opportunity. Um, to, to be put into those scenarios. And at the same time, there's not a lot of coaches, I, I don't think, you know, I'll speak for myself maybe, but I think I would speak for a lot of coaches when I say there's not a lot of coaches who are just going to high school games. You know, we don't have the time or the money or the resources to just go to high school games every single night. When we go to a high school game, it's because we're going to watch someone specifically, right, that we've heard about, that a coach has called us about, um, but that we've seen during the summer and like, hey, yeah, that kid's coming, you know, they're going to be in town, you know, whether they're from the east side of the state or they're up north and they're coming down. Um, you're going to go watch that kid play because you've seen them play before, right? And then once a coach has interest in you and they've seen you in a, in a big environment, that's what AU is so good for. You know, they bring a bunch of players into one environment, let coaches see everybody. Then they can build relationships and say, okay, I like this kid. I like what he's about. I know he's got good grades. I know he would fit this program. Now let me go watch a high school game. I feel like that's things where things have kind of turned to now um, as to where AAU is almost the first point of contact for kids in colleges rather than than high school. And then high school follows suit, right, with, with coming to games and things like that. But I think it's crucial, man. It's really tough if you're going to be seen and um, trusted enough to give in a scholarship to – I think coaches are going to see you play as much as possible, and AAU is one of the avenues they can do it. I am so glad to hear your insight on that. I obviously have my own opinions on it, um, very similar to yours, uh, pretty much all congruent with what you just said. But everyone knows I'm biased because I, I do coach club basketball. But I, I just, uh, yeah, I think it separates, especially kids in states like Idaho. But it's all across the board. I mean, you've got to, yeah. and it and it doesn't matter which tier because there are college recruiters that are coming at different times. They might show up. We had a couple, I mean, it, I was the second team we were playing, like we we're not playing in the top level tiers for my specific team, but you know what? Like there was a time 
in Vegas where we had two college coaches just randomly show up to watch one of the games. It might have been for the team we were playing, but that's still your opportunity. Like you get opportunities that you might not get elsewhere um, for exposure and so forth. I think it's awesome. And like you said, the roles are different. And that's where like it teaches kids that some kids don't handle it well. I'll be real. A lot of kids don't like the like, well, at high school, I'm the main dude. It's like, okay, well, here you're not. Yeah. You can't shoot. So you're going to go ahead and not be shooting the ball. And we have two other shooters that are probably going to handle the ball a little bit more than you. So like, you know, yeah. you have to, but some kids just embrace it. And I think it's awesome. And like you said, level of competition, I, man, whew, there's a lot. They, Sometimes you're just like, we're not in Idaho anymore. <laughs> no, it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't get better. You put yourself and that's one thing select does too. They spend a lot of time trying to figure out where are we going to go? Where are we going to go play? And the beauty of, of, them doing it for so long is they built relationships with the guys that run these tournaments and they say, look, this is what we've got. This is where we really think we can play. And they, they have enough respect from the basketball community out there from the AAU basketball community. They say, okay, here's where we're going to put you. And they put you on that gym, on that floor with that team, with that matchup. And, and you don't get that everywhere. Right. right. And so um, they, they have the relationships to go do that. And they do a great job in terms of organizing. I've been involved in grassroots for, gosh, the last 10 years, um, north of 10 years. And um, they they run it as good as anybody I've seen. And, and it's organized and it makes it makes it easier for us as coaches, right, to just coach and not have to worry about all the extra stuff. And, and they make it easy for players to um, and parents just to be there and, and just get to be a part of, of the games itself because that's what ultimately what everyone wants to do, right, is the games. But there's a lot of other stuff that goes into it and Select does a good job with it. Yeah, shout out to Vince and Clint. I actually will be chatting with Vince uh, a little bit later today in the next like 15 minutes. Okay. About something different because I have to have I have a meeting with him today, but I love the Hordemans. I've I've followed them for years. Their mother was actually my sixth grade PE teacher, surprisingly small enough. It's like a weird small world around here. And obviously Clint played at Boise State and I followed him during the glory days of BSU too. So just yeah. so funny. I I, I want to give them a shout out. Yeah, like you said, shout out to them for being able to put together something so special because club basketball. It's hit or miss depending on the club that you play for or whatever because of the organization. There's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that doesn't always go right, but uh, Vince and Clint have pretty much put together a system that they know what they're doing. <laughs> they, yeah. they make it easy, so it's awesome, man. Um, James, I just want to say thanks, brother. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to, to chat with me on, on all these topics, and we're looking forward to seeing you at TVCC as we continue to build that culture over there. And hopefully in the next year or two, we got a powerhouse coming over there and you're getting all the hidden gems out of Idaho too, that are, are interested in that school and yeah. they're not skipping over Ontario to go to Pendleton and elsewhere. Hopefully <laughs> uh, Ontario is full of the treasure Valley kids. Um, yeah. So I just want to say thank you once again, man. I appreciate you joining us. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me on. It's been, uh, it's been fun. It's been, like you said, a busy, a busy last month and a half, right. Finishing up things with C of I and then jumping, you know, uh, full, full head into things over at TCC, but I'm excited. I'm really excited about, what we've got going in, in our new AD and, and the administration and stuff and the focus that they want to, to build things with athletics. And so I think it's uh, just the beginning of some stuff that hopefully uh, we can bring some fans down the, down the way there. Yes, sir. Looking forward to it, James. For all the listeners out there, I hope you guys enjoyed this one as well. Make sure to hit the subscribe button. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And uh, you guys know the drill. We'll be coming to you next week with another interview. Take care. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.